0: everybody, welcome to this, the latest episode of Media Voices. This season, as you'll know, we're doing deep dives into some of the biggest trends, tools, and tech that has affected publishers over the past 12 months. That's as part of our annual Media Moments 2023 report, which is going to be released early December. You can pre-register for that at voices.media forward slash mm23. I'm Chris Sutcliffe. And I'm Peter Houston. And this week we're joined by Jake Strong Jones, who is operations lead at Lad Bible Group who whisked across their business to ensure best possible performance on all their social platforms. Jake, thank you so much for taking the time to go and have a chat. Lovely to be here. Fantastic. So, I mean, to begin with, Lad Bible Group has evolved so much since its inception, and over the past couple of years in particular. Can you maybe give us an overview of what that group actually looks like at the moment? Because there have been some recent acquisitions.
1: So Lab Bible Group is a lot of well-known brands. We have Lab Bible, Tyler, which is women's focused. We have Food Bible and everything food-related. Fairy tales for all your animals and pets needs. <laughs> um, we've got a massive, massive range um, of top-performing brands that are publishing all the time. We've also just gone through um, and acquired Betches, uh, which is a wonderful fit for the company, and very excited to see what we can build there
0: over the coming years. So what is Betches? Because I I got the press release uh, from uh, a bunch of different places, but I haven't had time to dig into that yet. So what does that actually look like What does it offer to the group? So Betches is a uh, US-based, women's-focused
1: group of pages that is publishing across social. They are incredibly engaging. They have a lot of partnerships in place and they just complement exactly what we're doing. Um, But they happen to have a slightly parallel audience there very very women focused especially um which matches really really well with our tyler brand Mm. um and i think we've just got a lot of room kind of to make sure that whatever partnerships we're doing what we're publishing how we collab it's just going to be interesting
0: it's going to be interesting i think what's fascinating about this discussion in particular is because of how many properties you have now and how broad it is the platforms that you appear on are going to be so much part of the strategy of actually introducing people to these brands.
2: I, I mean, I I know I am hold my hand up. I am not a lad bible kind of guy day in day out. I apologise for that, but I can't be everything to all people. <laughs> However, I'm really interested in the development there. That you know, so Bitches is a great example. That it's 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 like this thing that started 10 years ago and, and has, I was going to say morphed. I don't think, I think it's much more intentional than morphed. Is that right, Jake? Is it, is it these, these things are like spotting gaps and they're being added in to, to, to take things forward.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the company is, is not what it was when it launched, when it launched, it was much more about, can we grow? Can we scale? Can we bring these people in? Um. But it's been 10 years we've got nearly 500 people in the company. We are across every social platform. Um, it's, it's absolutely enormous. Um, as a company and the work that we do, you know, that we are sort of some of the biggest, uh, we are the biggest, uh, Facebook pages, um, overall and, uh, in a lot of really, really important, um, interest, a lot of really important verticals. So, We have a lot of scale and we have a really, really diverse audience, but they're not just people who uh, subscribe to us. They're also sort of people who we're very experienced at finding through these sort of recommendation algorithms absolutely everywhere. We go where the people are and we publish what we know that they are interested in seeing.
2: I think that, again, is interesting, that idea of going where the people are, because 2015, Chris and I used to work for a company called The Media Briefing. I remember Mimi Turner. Um, being at a conference. I mean, that's a long time ago, right?
0: That's that's ancient history at this point.
2: And I I got the sense then that Mimi was trying to fight this laddie idea, and that was 10 years ago. Um, And I guess the world has changed (laughs) unrecognisably in those 10 years. So that idea of moving away from, you know, again, it's that laddie idea.
1: I think the laddie idea is an interesting one because it's not that um, lads are what we we used to call lads. We've spent a lot of time very intentionally growing that audience and making sure that our definition of lad and that the people we're engaging um, are actually sort of – they're people who will stand up for their community. They're people who are sort of absolute leaders. It's not just about um, those connotations from – earlier it's entirely about sort of can we help um like we are out there now we have a clear purpose we're uplifting and inspiring youth every single day that's kind of really really important
0: in my uh what? my girlfriend's group of friends call themselves the lads so the the semantic shift there has been pretty intense when you're identifying these new audiences when you're identifying you know whether you're going to go into gaming or if you're going to go into you know acquiring batches or whatever what are the first steps in identifying where those audiences live and to what extent are social platforms part of that strategy either as social listening to identify the group or in terms of actually doing outreach and you know engaging these people to begin with
1: so there's a few sort of ways that we would do this um We have, so we have a panel um, in house called Lab Nation, which is a youth focused panel, which is really, really helpful for us sort of getting quick insights um, that are really, really high quality um, in terms of who our audience are, who's out there, what they want, what they're looking for, and where they're being underserved. We're also there using all sorts of social listening tools. We're reading the numbers. We're very, very data savvy and data led. Um, in terms of which verticals we think we need to explore and where we need to double down. Mm. But we also, as I've been saying, the number of brands we have is enormous. We have a lot of core brands. And with those core brands and the scale we have across them, we already have a lot of this data. We know who's engaging. We know what they're engaging with um, directly across what we're publishing. But we also test enormously. um, Like it's nonstop. We know that if something's doing well, double down, absolutely mm. commit, because um, in this world, the platforms change fast. Their no. Really personalized. No way. Um, but it means you have to be ready to pivot, but also ready to commit. Um, and that means you're not just um, doing one thing. You're also, in the background, sort of aware. You're aware of what might be shifting. You're aware of sort of why... They're courting these platforms might be creating uh, creators or audiences or publishers in a particular way because you need to make sure that
0: um, you're leaning into that, and um, otherwise you're going to miss the boat. I think me and Peter both, for the benefit of the listeners, both visibly reacted where you said, you know, you have to be ready to double down or pivot there because we've spoken at length in the past about how you know. Publications have been forced to change their strategy on the head of a pin, based on you know algorithm changes or because platforms have completely changed their priorities. I mean, how do you even square that circle? How do you possibly keep abreast of all this across so many different platforms? I, c- I can barely do it with one, and that's well, for that like I- my own personal stuff. That
2: idea of being, hmm. that idea of being, you know, ready to commit but also ready to pivot at the same time—it's like that's hot <laughs> That's hard in my
1: head. I think this is just one where we're lucky enough to be at a scale where well, we have a, a, a lot of videos published and a lot of content published all the time. So the amount of data we have is enormous. And as long as we're looking at that, we can always make sure that uh, what 90 or 95% of what we do on any page on any platform is exactly what we know is going to work. Mm. Like we know that that's our level of commitment. We are um, geared towards creating and publishing the content that we know will land well. But it's that extra 5%. It's the bit on the side that is really um, about, do we go more niche? Do we try something different? Do we try longer content, shorter content? Do we cut it in a new way? Um, That really means that we've got some of that outside data to hand. I can see you there, Peter.
2: (laughs) I'm interested in that operationally because I think there's two different things going on there. One is taking care of business so you've got your videos going out every day this has got to be go out in the morning this is going in the afternoon you know there's a there's a process there that needs to be an operational process it needs to be <laughs> adhered to it. but then there's this experimental thing going on at the side is that different people or you know is that different people within the organization or is that you know someone just has an idea and it's then they're allowed to kind of test it
1: so we have a we have different types of ownership in different parts of the company but one thing that's really important is the people who own their brands absolutely know them through and through that is theirs to manage so if we were looking at everything food related that goes out on food bible we have a team and it is led by channel managers who are experimenting who know what that audience likes who are aware of sort of the wider context And those are the people who are sort of saying, right, we need to try this. We should bring this sort of content through more. We should publish in a slightly different way, um, whilst also keeping the ship steady uh, and making sure that most of what we publish, we're really, really confident in as well. So we've got a couple of layers, but I think having clear ownership means that people know what they're testing Mm -hmm. and they have an expectation of what is going to be the response to that.
0: And is there a remit to do that? Is there a responsibility on the the teams within each of those verticals to test and see what is gonna be the new best practice next week for actually getting attention? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is
1: where the goal is always, can we grow? Can we maintain an audience? Can we keep scaling? And so those teams they are really keen we wouldn't bring people into the business who didn't want to try new things and work in this absolutely mad uh, industry that we're in where it's not the same tomorrow as it was yesterday and um, so you have to be ready you have to keep changing you have to you have to grow
0: I think it's fascinating that this is now, You know, you were talking there about getting people in who have that mindset and the culture difference between, I suppose, what used to be traditional publishing and what is now kind of digital first publishing, where you have to have that experimental mindset is is so vastly different. I always talk about the fact that, you know, Horse and Hound, uh, the magazine, I got told that if they put a wet dog on the cover, their sales were four times higher. And so that was just kind of best practice for decades for them, was just to, you know, sales are a little bit low, stick a wet dog on the cover. But there's no reliable source of wet dog traffic, for lack of a better term, on these social platforms. So this idea that you have to be experimental is fascinating. Well,
2: I, 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 oh, I'm going to argue with that. Though. that yeah, is, go on. Oh, that's the, 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 I know you can't create a viral video as such, but there's a there's a niche there. Uh, and it's not a small niche it's a huge niche of daft content that will always get you some kind of mm. attention is that is that am i am i showing my ignorance of of what's going on at Live bible there or is that still true you know is it still daft shit that gets the, <laughs> biggest, that gets the biggest
1: traffic i think we that, that's not the way we'd phrase it uh, we're looking at this more as you can have content that's really that's viral mm. we have sort of viral videos which we are which fit into that miscellaneous category of, we know that people are interested, but it doesn't really go down um, in too many other uh, clear categories. So we are dividing things up. We're making sure it fits our brands. Uh, We're creating things that make the most sense for where they're going to live. And it's impossible to sort of say, we know this is going to work. I Like we speak to our editors all the time as they're sort of creating a lot of this content and a comment I was hearing yesterday, again, was that they might spend hours and hours and hours creating a video that they're certain is going to land. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes mm. it gets a few hundred views versus the one that they create incredibly quickly that just is perfect and absolutely flies. So um, we are... Yes, there's a science to it. Yes, we do all the right things because we keep learning. We we have our basic principles, but again, they evolve and they're different, uh, platform. But also it's always... It's it's in a lot of ways still a shot in the dark. You are experimenting all of the time and learning and changing, and that's kind of where a lot of this pivoting comes from.
0: I feel like that's such sod's law that idea that you can just quickly create something because it's you know you've seen some news and you want to get it out, and that's what really goes viral and almost defines the brand. It reminds me of you remember um, the band Survivor. Uh, they like they sliced alone came to them and said, "I want a song for Rocky." And they gave him two. one was like this one that they put their heart and soul into. And the other one was either tiger, which they like tossed out in like 20 minutes. And of course that's the one that picked it up. And that just seems to me to be like social publishing at this point, you never know what the audience is going to respond to, you know, not everybody sliced alone, but still. But sometimes it is that,
1: um, quickly created content that really is true to something that sort of hits its message, uh, like perfectly that means that people who are seeing it they they understand it's not always about sort of meticulously slow crafting it can just be about absolutely nailing something and getting it bang on
2: mm. buzzfeed had a similar reputation for for as uh, to old school lad bible for doing cat gifs and you know as what i've described as daft shit. And then BuzzFeed got got serious with BuzzFeed News and they went off and they did some pull Prize surprise-winning news. For Lab Bible, I mean, is that a lesson learned? Don't do that because it fell apart at BuzzFeed. Or do you ever or do you feel that there's a there's maybe some kind of imperative there to do more serious news rather than the more viral type stuff?
1: I think this is quite a quite a broad question, and it's one where we have a really effective um, editorial team who are creating, and it's primarily sort of um, entertainment content, but there is enough. Uh, there are stories that we break. There are interviews that we have, which lead to a big sort of national conversations. Like we are, we, we have great journalists, but we're not necessarily looking to change the platforms themselves and tell them how to present content. Instead, we're looking at what they're trying to achieve and how our audiences are engaging on those platforms. We Again, this is about going to where the audiences are yeah. and engaging them in a way that they want to be engaged. So we will be creating content, um, which might be uh, text articles uh, on our website. It might be the same elsewhere. It might be image posts that are sort of summing things up and giving um, insights and just making it really, really clear for Instagram and, and beyond. Hmm. I think the sort of news that we create and share is is varied but it's social first um and i think if you look at our video journalist team for example as well who are out there filming really interesting stories um and factual pieces with incredible people who've who've lived um through either challenging times or had amazing experiences I, i think this is about can we bring the sorts of um stories to life and to our audience that we know that they will want to see um that doesn't have to be that we're going out there and we're creating an entirely fresh story or we're spending six months investigating something Mm -hmm. we can do it in a lot of different ways and i think that's kind of part of the broad church of journalism is that there isn't um one particular way that you have to find
0: these stories i think i mean there's so much there we could pick up on but one of the things that uh, before we get onto your use of TikTok, which I think is fascinating, before you mentioned the kind of that remit to uh experiment and to make sure that you are reaching audiences where they live, how much of that experimentation is given over to, you know, up-and-coming platforms? You know, obviously with the uh with everything that's been going on with X slash Twitter slash whatever Elon decides to call it next week, um there is there's been a raft of their you know, of imitators almost. So to what extent in this kind of vastly shifting um, arena where, you know, discords spring into being and then disappear, you know, threads, blue sky, everybody just kind of like gives it a shot and then can vanish. How much time is given across to these new platforms and how much time do you actually spend thinking about them as a viable source of distribution or engagement?
1: So I think this is one where we really like to do things well. Um, we're very happy to experiment we have a broad um set of expertise sort of across our business because we've been doing this for a long time mm. and we are world leaders um and so we are really really happy to try new things if you look at threads if you look at uh, broadcast channels that met is also rolled out we have a strong presence in some of those places but that means that we can try it we can grow we can scale especially at points where We know that um, there's a really big opportunity to do so. I know, for example, when YouTube Shorts first Mm. launched, a lot of people jumped straight onto YouTube Shorts from everywhere else in order to get as many subscribers as possible and as many views. And this was before monetization. And it's like we look at things knowing that, yes, it would be great if they monetized. It's wonderful when you get money back for putting time in. But we're also there sort of going we have a responsibility to our audience to reach them and show them what they are looking for that is who we are so we do invest in these platforms i'd say we probably invest most when we can see sort of a a reason to be investing at that time um so that's why i'm calling out sort of uh, for example the whatsapp broadcast mm-hmm. channels we have a really big presence on there um and i know we're surrounded by football clubs and other publishers but we're there sort of knowing that we're scaling um, because it's the right time for us to be doing so and sort of understanding what audiences on there are looking to achieve and also how we can, how we can leverage that. Because uh, a lot of the benefit of having this broad network of channels is that we can then scale from there. Uh, we're mm-hmm. not just bringing our learnings, we're also sort of bringing an audience with us and um, as we explore these new places that they are sort of getting to grips with um because yeah threads is new people don't understand it necessarily but they go great it's very like twitter it's very um understandable um in a similar in a similar vein but they don't have all the same people that they're following yet Mm. so we're one of those familiar voices who helps sort of bed them in um, and helps them have a reason to stick around
0: Nice. I mean, that's a really optimistic way of looking at things. I think because I was, uh, I flail around whenever it's, every time there's a new platform. I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. I'm out, I'm out, and then I'm, I'll join about two seconds before it closes down. You're still using Twitter, aren't you? I am. I yeah, I am. I just don't want to give it up. I've just got such sunk costs in there. Um, <laughs> but obviously, like Lad Bible Group has really. Done a lot with TikTok at this point, and there's a stat uh, included in our notes here, which says that you know you're actually reaching collectively two thirds of people who are 18 to 34 in the UK. Now I'm tangentially on TikTok, so what does TikTok actually offer to Lad Bible Group? Because it's such a unique beast, almost it's 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 unlike many platforms that are out there, and yet it's almost setting the trends in a lot of ways. So TikTok's biggest strength has
1: to be its recommendation algorithm, which it got first. Um, it absolutely nailed sort of how to personalize content feeds for its audience, and it has such a broad audience, much broader than you often think. Um, we know that the other platforms have spent a lot of time catching up. They've been investing heavily in how content is served and how it's personalized, and we're seeing this across Reels, across YouTube Shorts, and elsewhere. But TikTok were the first ones to kind of really force that change and and make sure that everyone else caught up. For us, it has to be a place that we are engaging, um, especially sort of a a really young audience. Mm. Like we have a young audience across our platforms, absolutely, but it's uh, a really, really important one for us just to make sure that we are at the cutting edge, that things that we publish completely land. Um, But we're, we're sort of making sure that as we tailor for TikTok as we work with them and sort of keep keep publishing on there, um, that we keep seeing a return. And some of that return is gonna be again part of our um panel, Lab Nation. Sort of we have a lot of people sort of coming through from there who join um and who are part of our our research side of things. Um but we're also sort of we're we're just growing a lot of our brands. We're growing a lot of our audience and that's really important. To us,
2: can you make money on TikTok?
1: It's a great question. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Um, you can make money a lot of different ways. Uh, most of which are tools like that involve um, partnerships and making sure that brands are on board and they're paying you directly. But TikTok also offer ways that they will pay you. So we have spoken to them a lot about their series tool, which I really like, which is a way of publishing content behind a paywall. So people can buy courses, they can buy um, just interesting videos that will then be ad-free, which opens up the opportunity to actually publish things which are not advertiser safe, but which are really, really interesting mm-hmm. and relevant to your audience um, because it sort of it sidesteps those needs. But there's also a monetization program Pulse, which has been rolling out Mm. and which is going to be very, very exciting for a lot of people. Um, You
0: cannot wait to see that properly out there in the world. I'm I'm just seriously worried now that Peace is going to try and start Start making some TikToks. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, that I've got all that
2: time that I used to spend (laughs) on Twitter.
0: They do long form, uh,
1: and people often forget that they do long form, but they are investing much more heavily in content that's over a minute long than the short form at this stage because they know that that's the the gap in their market where they're, they're really trying to make sure that they fill right that still
2: blows my friggin mind <laughs> long forms over a minute long and 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 short form is <laughs> like what it's like it's it's just a different world it really is it's
0: uh, we'll get it it's fascinating we'll get it one day
2: well, one of the things that I keep coming back to in this conversation, because I like I say, this is not an area that I necessarily know huge amounts about, but what I find fascinating about it is the growth that you guys have had over the last however many 10 years or whatever and then these different platforms. But I still keep coming back to this thing of you're always going to be at the mercy of these platforms. Mm. Um And, you know, you, the people that, That lad, Bible group are not silly people. They know that they're aware that the you know the the price of shares can go up as well as down in relation to to platforms. How do you deal with that? How do you just how do you mitigate that?
1: I think this is where we have to diversify, and for us diversification, a lot of that is kind of making sure that we're present on all the platforms that we are have relationships with audiences uh, everywhere, but also we become someone invaluable sort of um, my personal take on this is more about the volume of content that keeps increasing um absolutely everywhere we have we have more and more videos we have podcasts we have absolutely everything kind of which is competing for people's attention but we also have um a lot of new ways that cut through and some of that is as we were talking about on tiktok like these recommendation algorithms these ways of personalizing that content, but it's also reliant on um, that creation. That curation Mm. is something which you also trust creators and publishers to do. Like we are one of those voices and no matter where we are, people know us for great content. They know that we will be publishing things that they want to see. And we're doubling down on those niches per brand, but it means that no matter whether we're on blue sky or, Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or wherever we might end up. We are someone people would actually be interested to follow because they know that we will help them cut through
0: the noise and help them find things that they want to stick around to see. You you mentioned Blue Sky and I was like, what the fuck is... Oh, it's like, that's how (laughs) fast it's moving. It's my job and I almost completely forgot about Blue Sky already.
2: I think that idea... So you were talking about personalization, but you're also talking about... You know, platform specific type stuff. And I think mm. that is really interesting, again, in the context of, you know, being where the audience is, but you also have to be there the way they expect you to be or they want you to be on those platforms. I think that, again, is interesting.
1: I think that's right. And I think it's really interesting over the last year or so, as we've had platforms trying to mirror each other. They're trying to make life as easy as possible for the creators and make sure that content is usable no matter where you publish it. Yes, they want to be first. Everyone wants to have videos first from whichever creator or publisher it is, but they also just want to make sure they're not left out, um, which has meant there's been a sort of a a shift towards can we standardize the videos? And this is where short form is especially kind of interesting. Um, And I think what will be really intriguing and sort of watching as over the next year or more these platforms then start to diverge a little further and make sure that their offering is unique for example tiktok going for videos that are more than a minute long they're really pushing for the long form you've got youtube with its interesting links between Mm. short form audiences and long form audiences and related videos uh, which now pop up at the bottom of every short you can always create put a link in the pushes to a long form video so you know that you can use that as a marketing funnel and actually divert people through and in terms of sort of reels um, and videos across facebook and instagram there's a degree of sort of you're able to post things on instagram that appear directly on facebook you are sort of starting to simplify the processes there uh, for creators on instagram to make sure that they are actually across both platforms Um, And similarly, on Instagram, you've got um, threads popping up. I don't know if anyone else has this all the time, but I am seeing creators I follow and always, always popping up as a little box uh, in my feed saying, Mm -hmm. hey, you should be reading what we post on here as well. So they're they're all creating, uh, trying to create packages um, and make it distinct um, going forward and make a reason for these these platforms to be sticky for people to who come in to have a reason to stay um and that's sort of it's interesting how they're going to engage audiences and publishers and creators as that goes forward and as they they sort of put these uh, distinctions in place
0: so there was there was a while not too long ago actually where platforms were offering incentives to publishers specifically to create you know content for them do you feel like we've come to maybe the tail end of that and you know what is the i suppose will we ever see a resurgence in platforms offering you know beneficial one-to-one relationships with publishers i think it's not
1: clear kind of which way that one's going because we are seeing more that platforms are becoming um some platforms specifically are becoming a a place where you facilitate the deal between brands and creators and publishers sort of directly it's more about can they handle that relationship can they facilitate everyone else being there and having a reason to come back more than it is um can they create the content in the first place and ensure that that is is exclusive to them um we might see it move in that direction, but I think we haven't seen any big moves towards exclusivity or towards, um, that level of commissioning. It's much more about, um, keeping all the players happy because platforms know that their creator can't survive necessarily on one platform alone. They have to be everywhere because for the same reason we are, that's where their audiences go.
0: Mm. I think, I mean, that the whole thing is so fascinating. I just saw that Twitch is allowing, you know, simulcasting to, you know, before it was, uh, they would allow it to a couple of different platforms, but now it's basically saying, you know, you can simulcast to YouTube at the same time, which in theory seems to almost dilute their appeal. But based on what you're saying, it sounds like they're actually saying, well, no, you know what, this actually strengthens our relationship with the creators and the publishers who use us. I agree with that.
1: I think Twitch have had an interesting time given all of the exclusivity back and forth between them and YouTube, um, especially. But as long as they can build their audience and build sort of a clear reason for people to be on the platform, which is what they're doing, they have all sorts of um, incentives and all sorts of reasons um, for their long-standing community to stick around. I don't think they're going to lose them. They will probably lose some to convenience. If someone's already on YouTube, they might stick there. Hmm. But they're also, I, I don't think it's diluting their offering. And I think this is sort of one of the Strengths that we play towards, and we I recommend other people do as well, which is make sure that you're not limiting your audience because you can create the best content in the world, but if you actually don't publish it where the people you want are, what's the point? You you spend a (laughs) lot of time and a lot of effort just to reach three people, which is exhausting. Um, And I think, for example, you've started your podcast; it's taken a while. These things take time. Day one is never going to be the same as day 200 but you have to get there and you have to give yourself the best chance
0: to do so Yeah, I feel like that spend a lot of time only to reach three people was a dig at my sub stack which I'm not happy about <laughs> but I'll let it slide <laughs> um, I, I so <laughs> Oh, yeah. Basically, whatever I'm putting my effort, <laughs> getting no audience is fantastic. So uh, one of the things that over the past couple of years has become very clear is that the relationship between publishers and platforms is often contentious. Uh, do you think publishers now are wiser in their use of more, I suppose, discerning in their use of platforms? Or are we still seeing a sort of rush to whichever new platform is you know hot and trendy, regardless of what it actually does to the parent brand?
1: I think you covered it pretty well earlier with the idea that you might join a new platform, get confused and leave. There are so many places you can spend your time and spend your energies learning. I think if you are a small team, if you are working in a big company, but there's one, two, three of you having to manage every platform, you just don't have time. And so you have to go where you're going to see the biggest returns. But Mm. if you're a publisher, and this is sort of, again, where we have the benefit of there's 500 people at the company, we are doing so much in so many places, then we're able to sort of leverage that expertise and leverage those teams to make sure that you really can go in all the sort of relevant opportunities because yes, they will change. Yes. They will grow. Um, and you don't have an unlimited amount of time. Mm. Um, but if you have content, if you're creating things, you should, it's sort of, it's a small amount of extra effort to increase the, distribution opportunities that you're really experimenting with i think that's where you, you you need the time to try it but also if you're creating the content if you have that in-house already you've won half the battle hmm. um you've done the most difficult bit and then you just need to figure out how these platforms work by posting and by looking at the results and remaining in the data
2: I like think that idea of putting content at the centre of it, you know, content
1: vis-a-vis
2: what you are producing that's different from other people um, is interesting, again, because I don't think that's necessarily the way people would look at social-first publishers, but actually listening to you talk about it, listening to you saying about being where the audience is, looking at the data and seeing what, what lands, um, I think that that's a... A really, kind of interesting take on that. It that is about content, it's not just about daft shit, as I've <laughs> called it two or three times. It's about understanding what those audiences are there for. And, and you're right in that sense. I don't think publishers in the past necessarily thought about the platform audience, I think they just thought, okay, I've got this stuff, I'm going to get it out there because it's free and it's you know, distribution at scale. And actually, what you're talking about is much more
1: considered than that. You can start with the content and knowing, yes, it's free to publish in all of these places, assuming you have the time. But yeah, we tailor. We tailor everything. And I think that's why right now is such an interesting point because everything that the needs for each platform, um, for some content, for short form especially, have consolidators, even if long form is still quite, quite different. Um, and so this is an interesting moment if you're going to test right now is kind of the time to go cool i created this i don't have the energy or the time or the team to really tailor it so i can try it a little bit more broadly but it's going to change and it's going to grow we're seeing that happen per platform um and that's just got to keep happening
0: Mm. one last thing that i wanted to ask about is recently i've been talking to a bunch of brands outside of publishing, who are using social platforms for brand building in a way that they didn't think would be possible, you know, even a couple of years ago, it was very much seen as a sort of, you know, we'll use it as a broadcast method, but now they're using social platforms for community as well. Do you feel like there is a a danger that we almost replicate that early, mis- there's early mistakes we made where we almost put all the community management onto these social platforms and didn't then deliver value back towards the owned and operated you know, platforms that publishers have i think
1: you there's know? so much room for that it's mm. it's really really important and it fits into that principle of going to your audience because if people don't have a reason to go off platform or don't have a reason to go and find you um exp- explicitly then you have to go and find them mm. and you have to give them value like this is where content comes back to it again is if you're serving them up with something that is kind of saying this is me. That's not the same as going, this is why you should watch it. This is going to help you in your day-to-day life. This is going to entertain you or going to, um, like, find your find your book, find your reason. Um, because it's not just about surfing the algorithm to reach people. It's about making sure that they want to come back and find you again.
0: Well, that has been a fascinating i mean it's whistle stop of course it is we we can't discuss every single platform in depth in the depth that we would like to in this one podcast but jake thank you so much for coming on and uh taking yeah. us through that and uh, educating peter about both you know, I, and I, social platforms
2: i've said that a couple of times this is not my uh, <laughs> this is not my natural oeuvre but i find this conversation fascinating i've really really enjoyed it and i've learned a lot which you know every day's a school day that's good
0: thank <laughs> <laughs> you hey, thank you both really interesting Fantastic. So Jake, if, if anybody wants to sort of reach out, find you, where's the best place to either find you or Lab Bible Group? Um, I think if you're looking for me, find me on LinkedIn.
1: Uh, I'm on Jake Strong Jones on there. If you're looking for Lab Bible Group, we are everywhere. Um, <laughs> so yeah, If I, my personal two favourites are Fairy Tales, if you love pets and animals, and Food Bible for weird and wonderful and interesting foods
0: so we're going to be dealing with platforms as a chapter in media moments 2023 that's our annual report taking a look at every single trend around media over the past year you can pre-download that at voices.media forward slash mm23
2: talking of big trends you know we got through this whole thing without talking about ai
0: it's the first time we've ever done that since the start of the year
2: yeah (laughs) um mx3 ai is an event we're running in conjunction with the guys at mx3 so on 7th of december in london we'll be exploring all things ai and the opportunities there for publishers the agenda is coming soon i think it's probably very soon next week or the the week after but if you want more information to keep up to date go to mx 3 aiorg
0: you can also head across to Voices.media and sign up to our daily newsletter where we pick the top four stories that are most important for you every single day of the week. You can also sign up for our community where we're having discussions about everything to do with media, outside of media, basically everything that our community wants to talk about. So you can sign up to that by going to Voices.media. But for now, thank you so much to Jake. Peter, good to see you again. It's been a while since we've done a podcast yeah, together.
2: Well, This is the first one we've done for, I don't know,
0: like months, middle of summer. So good to see you again. Nice (laughs) to see
2: your smiling face again.
0: Aw. But yeah, thank you so much to the listeners as well for taking part. And we will see you very soon for another episode of Meaty Voices.
2: Ta-ta!